Bengals take on the 49ers. We'll be speaking with Eric Crocker coming up next on the Winston Nettie Podcast. It's an exciting time to be a Bengals fan. I'm AC Zell. We got a special show as always. The voice of the Bengals. Dan Moore. Willie Anderson. Corey Dillon. The name of this thing is called Winston Eddie, and I'm not going to stop it. Talk to us about that roller coaster. I'm still gonna give you the same AJ. I'm gonna work as hard as I can to be the best. I've been working ever since I met y'all, boy. Yeah. I gotta get you a top five receiver. Better <laughs> <laughs> man. Watch out for us. Welcome, welcome to the Winston Eddie Podcast. I am Ace with my partner Zem. Zem, what's going on, fam? Not much, man. Chilling, running around town, trying to get everything in order, feeling really good uh, about everything that we got coming up, uh, particularly this show. I just feel, you know, like we we on to some good stuff. Uh, we've been I've been watching a bunch of Bengals stuff earlier today um, where the players seem like they dialed in. So, you know, for us, I feel like we got to get dialed into. Nah, for sure. It's a big week. Bengals coming off of a bye. Um, typically we haven't really brought on, you know, opposing teams, guests to, to kind of break this stuff down. So it's dope that we're going to be able to do that. So we will be bringing on locked on 49ers, Eric Crocker to discuss the game. So we'll get into that coming up next. Hey, what's up, Bills fans? Mike Hilton. I'm on the Winston Eddie pod with Ace and Zim. All right. We're going to bring in my man, Eric Crocker representing the 49ers. Eric was good. My guy. What's good with y'all, man? It, I feel like I'm uh, in enemy territory, behind enemy lines, all that, but uh, this should be a good one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. A lot of history between these two teams, fam, but we glad to get you on and get some of that insight. Obviously, with the 49ers coming off the two losses, that was a shock to me. I'm pretty sure a lot of 49ers nation. How are you guys feeling based off of these last two losses, and, and how are you looking at this Bengals game? Oh, man, I think there are a lot of 49ers fans worried. First, I want to start by saying one of my guys, uh, you know, I do, like you said, locked on 49ers. And every Wednesday we have our guy, Nicholas Winkler. He comes on for a Winky Wednesday. And Wink, before the season, made a prediction that the 49ers would go far and I think hoisted Lombardi and all that. But he also said the 49ers would start off 5-0 and and then go on a three-game losing streak to Cleveland, uh, Minnesota, in Cincinnati. I don't know why he said that. I remember thinking it was kind of wild at the time, but so far in his predictions, he's 7-0, and this would be the third game of that losing streak. So uh, I think 49er fans are really kind of a little worried about, you know, whether it's the pass defense, the secondary, the defense as a whole. I think Wilkes, the 49ers defensive coordinator, he's under fire right now. Uh, but And then you have Brock Purdy, who is in concussion protocol, and you don't even know if he's going to play. So... Right. Uh, a lot of different moving pieces that kind of point towards, you know, 49er fans hitting that panic button right now. I feel like everybody, you know, like, you you know, like we're in the, the whole Twitter space kind of, you know, like, which is its own world separate than the podcast world and stuff. And me and Ace kind of did like some stuff. I got a little bit of a temperature check on a couple people. And I feel like for the most part, the urgency was there. And I understand what you all are saying, but I guess on our end, even though we have won three out of the last four, I guess because we're 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 two teams in the same ballpark, it's like Super Bowl or bust. 
And I don't think that like 49er fans is like catching. The Bengals haven't been playing good at all on offense. So that panic button that you're saying most of our fan bases have for most of the year. And I thought like us watching the game, I guess a lot of people came to like quick, uh, quick things and saying like, man, you know, like I think we could be. And I'm like, look, this is one of the best teams in the NFL. And I thought like some of the things that I saw in the game, like you talked about Wilkes being under fire. I thought for most of the game, though, I thought you all controlled the you controlled the game. I thought that you had more explosive plays. And I thought like if you didn't know any better, I would have thought that the 49ers would have won that game, like outside of like the, you know, the, the the big plays, I guess, that Kirk Cousins had like somewhere down the stretch. What is the main thing that you feel like is the cuss uh, or the reason why everybody feels like the panic outside of just losing two games straight? Uh, you know, I, man, I think there's just a bunch of different reasons. You got to, you know, think about it, right? Through five weeks, 49ers really just were on top of the world on offense and on defense. And that's why it's so weird that Wilkes is under fire right now because through five weeks, 49ers had the best defense in the NFL. And you also had like one of the best and highest scoring offenses in the NFL. And then you go to Cleveland and that was one of those games where it's like, okay, you know, weird weather conditions in the middle of the game, you lose Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. Uh, so you could see why, how maybe that kind of game could get away from you, even though you're playing against third string quarterback PJ Walker. Probably should still win, but regardless, like you could see how you can have someone of us, bro. It happened yeah. to us like last year, the same thing. But go, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't want to get you to follow that up with the the worst performance. And we say worst performance. Like I just got off of Locked On 49ers, and my biggest thing was like 49ers gave up 22 points. Like it's not like they gave up. 50 points, 48 points, 30-something points. It was like – it was a game where you were within striking distance and you fell short. And, and, and my biggest issue is you fell short in a league that's catered towards offense uh, that, you know, they, the way they call games, you know, the spacing of it, the referees, everything is catered towards the offense, being able to be more explosive, put up more points, and you're only able to muster 17 points over the last two weeks for whatever reason. So – um, I think it's kind of been weird because it's been like different games and they lost different ways as opposed to just losing one way and thinking like, okay, we're just super weak in this area. Uh, we don't really even know what to expect now when the 49ers go and play Cleveland because it has been so weird. But then I'm hearing on y'all in that, you know, the, the explosive passing plays hasn't quite been there. Joe Burrow, we know he started the season off with a bad calf injury. Uh, you know, and I remember Jamar Chase saying, hey, man, Chill for the first five weeks, let it heal, and then come back. Well, he didn't do that, and there's been some, you know, up and down, mostly kind of down play from Joe Burrow, and the offense hasn't been clicking. So uh, at least y'all could say, man, at some point we know we'll get back to ourselves and play Bengals football and play Bengals football offensively. The 49ers right now really can't pinpoint what the issue has been over the last two weeks. So you kind of talked about Wilkes taking over the defense, and I agree with you. I felt like the 49ers were one of the top units in football. But one thing that's kind of been lacking has been the pass rush, and there has been some issues with the secondary. What are, like, the main differences? Is it personnel? Is it that he's changing it up? Because I I didn't expect him to really change up much of a successful defense and scheme that you guys had last season. Have you noticed any changes that have have kind of changed this season with Wilkes? Well, you know, the crazy thing is that with the defense, Kyle Shanahan is kind of really the defensive coordinator. You know, he handpicks all his guys, you know, whether it was Robert Sala, you know, Robert Sala 
got the job with the 49ers because Kyle Shanahan wanted a specific defense. He wanted that Seattle three scheme and he wanted somebody that came from that. So first he tried to get Bradley because Bradley went somewhere else. So he ended up going to get Robert Sala, who nobody knew, but he was with the Seahawks for a while, then was in Jacksonville as a linebacker coach, then came to the 49ers as a defensive coordinator. With him, he brought D'Amico Ryans as well. So you had uh, Sala throughout his tenure, who Kyle Shanahan handpicked and wanted him to play a certain style of defense. And then he brought in, uh, hired D'Amico Ryans to take over. And again, hey, I want it ran this way. And then when D'Amico's got a head coaching job, he was like, all right, I'm going to go find somebody. Okay, Wilkes, come on, Wilkes. But Wilkes, I want you to play defense this way. So there hasn't been much change in the sense of how they view things. There Over the years, the philosophy has changed from more from a single high defense to more of a two high shell cover four quarters type defense. But ultimately, I think Wilkes does a good job of mixing it up. I think he maybe brought a lot of pressure. The biggest difference, I, I would say, is probably the D-line isn't really getting home, more specifically Nick Bosa. And last year when the defensive line wasn't quite getting there, you could always count on Nick Bosa disrupting the game or having a forced fumble or a sack or something. That hasn't been there this year. And because of that, you have a game like last week where you get zero sacks in a game, which never happens for the 49ers. So uh, I would say that's probably the biggest difference. Nick Bosa, maybe after the holdout throughout OTAs, training camp, and all the preseason, maybe not quite being the Nick Bosa that we, you know, we've known him to be, which was defensive player of the year last season. Yeah, there, there's a lot of different highlights I think in this game. Like I kind of, I kind of wanted this to be like a conversation piece where, where you know, like I'm kind of giving you some info on like on our stuff because I feel like when I was in, when I was kind of talking about those Twitter Spaces things, it's like on our end we don't really know that much about the 49ers in regards to like what. I mean, I guess it different than what everybody just tells us, right? And then it was like the conversations about Purdy. There were the conversations about Bosa. And I thought like one of the things that you're going to see us talk about a lot, very similar to like how you're saying about Bosa, is Trey Hendrickson. Trey Hendrickson isn't a guy that I think gets a lot of like national publicity, but it's the same thing with us. I thought last year we weren't getting any pressure at all and we weren't getting a lot of sacks. But anytime that we did, it's only been Trey Hendrickson. But fast forward to this year, I thought the one bright spot that we do have right now is that some of the other guys on the defensive line are, are starting to get way more pressure. They're getting a lot more sacks. Now, a lot of people chalk it up to playing against a lesser than offensive line. I thought that Seahawks offensive line was like in bad shape. We knocked down Geno like 16 times, like four sacks. Yeah. It, it Like I'm just keeping it buck. Charles Cross came back, but – I don't know if that's a good matchup because Trey Henderson has that bend to him, and it's just a lot of different things. I, I think on our end, the Bengals are looking to come and make sure that Trey Henderson can disrupt the game, but Trent Williams being the best left tackle in football is a big point. Do you anticipate Trent Williams playing? I've seen the injury report, seen that he was like limited or something at one point. What do you think that matchup looks like, and do you think that he plays? You know, he's one of the big pieces of the 49ers offensive line. You know, there's some youth there. You got McKivitz. This is his first year starting at right tackle. You got Spencer Burford. Uh, he's at right guard. This is year two for him. But even as a rookie, he rotated in and out with Daniel Brunskill. Uh, and then from the, you know, uh, the, the center to the left guard and then the left tackle, hopefully it is Trent Williams. There's been a lot of inexperience. So uh, Trent Williams, you hope he's out there. He's been one to battle through injuries and play if he can. It was a little surprising to see that he missed last week 
with an ankle sprain, which leads me to believe that it might be worse than just an ankle sprain and more of a high ankle sprain, which we know that, I mean, that, that kind of can sit you down for four to six weeks. So, you know, to, to see him out, I, I think they might be kind of sugarcoating the extent of his injury. So I, I don't know. And, and you have the bye week coming up. So are they going to say, all right, you missed this week. We're going to let you miss this next week. And then you have the bye week and then you come back and now you should be better for it. That's what I would expect. But if he's out there right now and he's kind of limited, uh, that kind of points in the direction of him potentially playing in the game. Because last week, I don't think he practiced at all. I think he was a non-participant in every, every practice. I had a, actually real quick, Ace. When we talking about this the other day, or I don't, I thought it was like Eric, it was our, our Bengals Eric or whatever. But when we just asking him, like I don't, and, and for the everybody that doesn't know Eric Crocker, he's a former player too. The ankle injury, it was somebody else that we was talking about, Ace. Who was that? They had an ankle injury, and they were like, and they were like saying it was like so crazy. And I was like, bro, that's like two weeks, unless it's a high ankle sprain. Like, isn't that, like, kind of abnormal, though? Like, you being a former player, you know what I mean? Like, who was that that we was talking about? Do you remember Ace? I'm not sure. I've, oh, I've suffered. I've, I've dealt with both. You know, and in my playing career, I actually never missed a game due to injury until my very last year playing. And uh, in that year, I did both ankle sprains, a regular ankle sprain and then that high ankle sprain where there's kind of the fracture and then damage of the uh, ligaments. So the regular ankle sprain – Man, I get done with the game. You know, you take that tape off, ankle swollen, looks like a, a tennis ball is on the side of my foot, right? <laughs> so, like, you know, like a lot of pain there or whatever. But you rehab through it throughout the week. They got you walking around on your tippy toes, you know, spelling the alphabet and everything. You work it out. Then all of a sudden for the game, I'm good to go. High ankle sprain was drastically different. Uh, originally, they just thought I had a regular ankle sprain. But at practice, you know, I was kind of doing some things. I'm collapsing on the ground. like where yeah, I'm like, man, there is just something not right here. I could run full speed straight ahead, but any type of movement laterally would just drop me like to the ground. So then they had to go in and do another x-ray and they, re- they realized there was a hairline fracture and then there was da- damage of the ligaments, which was causing me to like randomly collapse when I try to break one way or the other. Uh, and that's something that, you know, obviously there's different grades of the high ankle sprain, but you would, you would, uh, uh, you know, I don't know exactly to the extent of his because they haven't really been forthright with whatever's going on. But there is definitely a difference between a high ankle sprain and a regular ankle sprain uh, in the sense of the severity, the pain, which I thought when when I when I got the high ankle sprain, I thought I snapped. I thought I was going to look down and see my ankle like snapped to the side like Dak Prescott or, or Trey Lance or something. Uh, regular ankle sprain, you just know you rolled it real bad. No, nah, for sure. You kind of mentioned earlier the Bengals' lack of of uh, explosive plays. Obviously, that's something that the 49ers kind of thrive on in that Shanahan offense, right, is to take those big shots. But without Brock Purdy and Sam Darnold stepping into that role, do you still see – We don't know Shanahan? quite yet. We don't know yet. Okay. Uh, Brock Purdy was at practice. He was a limited participant. He had helmet on and was throwing and partic- – so I don't. we don't know for certain that he won't play. Right. Okay. Well, with that being said, like if it is Sam Donald or if it is Brock Purdy from what we've seen the last two weeks, do you still see this offense against the Bengals um, going with those explosive plays or do you see them kind of leaning more toward on the zone run with uh, Christian McCaffrey? Uh, I mean, I think with Kyle Shanahan, he sees his offense being ran a certain way. And I think right now it just really goes through Christian McCaffrey. 
So I don't think it matters who's at quarterback, whether it's Sam Donald, Brock Purdy, there's going to be a heavy dose of Christian McCaffrey. Then they're going to do things to get him the ball in space, throwing him the ball. Really, I feel like a lot of the way that the 49ers utilize McCaffrey, uh, Zach Taylor, that, that's y'all head coach, right, Zach Taylor? Yeah. He should just watch that and be like, all right, this is how we're going to use Joe Mixon. And then everyone else kind of play off of that. And it should open up a lot of downfield explosive throws to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. Like, that's what you would assume. Uh, because of Mixon's ability to not only run very well, he's quick, you know, he's shifty, but he also is a terrific pass catcher. And I, I watched him nice. seven on seven when he was in high school. Like I, I know he can do it all. So I'm surprised Some things that have changed see- a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Okay. I, 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 like I like now. This is a thing that's happened between Bengals fans and whatever. Like we still, there's a large amount of us that still like Mixon a lot. There's a large amount of people that don't believe him as much. I will say this. The explosiveness and the bounce and the twitchiness of a McCaffrey is not quite the same. But the catching ability is still there. And like you're saying, that is a big part of what the Bengals should be doing in the games that I thought like we've had success throughout this whole last two years of us going to a Super Bowl there. It always started with mixing to some it, it doesn't mean that he goes for a hundred yards, but it, it could be 60 yards, but him keeping defenses honest is like a big portion of what I think they need to do. If they come out there and and, and just think that they're going to throw because they like the matchups on the cornerbacks, I think that that's a big mistake. And I think you're 100% right. Yeah, as far as the 49ers and, and kind of what they'll do at quarterback, just know that the 49ers run to set up the pass. So, you know, if you're just going to let them run all day, then they will. But really, uh, Kyle Shanahan just window dresses everything and gives you certain looks, and he'll show you a look and not even expect to get any yards out of it. And he'll show you it again, not expecting to get any yards out of it. And then when he shows you that same look again and you bite, that's when he you, all of a sudden the quarterback is a play action and he hits somebody. And a lot of times they really like Debo Samuel there where you see this huge gaping run after catch. Fortunately for y'all, Debo won't be playing. So, <laughs> nah, for sure, for sure. From your perspective, like, what are some things about the Bengals that you would ask us that would be like concerning for the 49ers? Uh, I, I would say just in our, and I've talked to y'all a little bit in spaces about this, but the vertical passing game for Cincinnati, where is that at? Because right now, especially you watch last game, Jordan Addison being able to win vertically down the field. Um, they hit the tight end a lot, right? But I think what the 49ers are worried about, and specifically me, just matchups on the outside with Higgins and Jamar Chase and, you know, not having the greatest of cornerbacks. How do you slow those guys down and how you limit the explosive plays that we're used to seeing Cincinnati have? So where are they right now with being able to get those chunk plays and those explosive plays that we just saw? Was it last year or a couple years ago when the 49ers yeah, Cincinnati played? I mean, 150 yards from Higgins. Big game, multiple touchdowns from Jamar Chase. Chase. Is yeah. that passing game where it was at the last time the 49ers and Bengals played? That, that You know, that's my favorite Joe Burrow game of all time, though. And everybody be like, what in the hell? I'd be like, listen, think about this. Think about this. And I, and I pose this question to people all the time. You could feel like Brock Purdy is your quarterback, right? I seen the stat about the whole Shanahan not coming back from eight points or whatever, which is insane, like never, ever, right? Think about that game. Burrow's down, what, 14 with, like, nine minutes left or something like that? I don't know. Bro, that happens to Burrow all the time. And so when I explained that, I was explaining that to a 49ers fan. They was like, bro, you lost the game. But I'm like, that was the game, though, that told Bengals fans, like, 
that's the dude. Like you do everything around him because no matter what the situation is, it's so many games. That's what the analytic games and all this other weird stuff that they play like on Twitter, like Joe Burrow, fourth quarter touchdowns and stuff like, yeah, he was leading in all the games. Like why would he throw the football? Joe Burrow is the, like literally the reason why we get back in all of these games. But to your point, 2021, it was just like this crazy thing where people just like Addison the other day think that they could have single covered Jamar Chase. And then all these teams from week one, they just were throwing bombs. Like we played the Vikings first, first game ever bomb touchdown. And he did that all year. And he, and a lot of people called on, started changing the cover two shells, but they just beat it. They had so many different beaters for it. Like by the time we played you guys, we were our blocking scheme was a little bit better. So you had Joe Burrow coming off the tour in ACL. It was on a pitch count. They started running different dagger concepts and different things like that. I think on the touchdown for um the Ambry Thomas or whatever. But that was 2021. 2022, nobody let the Bengals get nobody. any single high. Like any team that played single high, we murdered them. Like the Falcons, yeah. the Jets, any any team that played any single high. Think about the Bills. Their safety goes down. They play cover three. Bengals just have a field day. Nobody plays us in cover three shells, any single high look at all. So it takes away all of the, those explosive plays, and we didn't have a tight end that really stretched the seams. So mm-hmm. it's just the efficiency game. When Burrow comes back this year, he's hurt from the uh, from the calf injury. So imagine trying to play this efficient game, but you can't extend plays. If you make a penalty or anything like that, you're behind the eight ball. And you're like in third and 12, you're in second and 14 and you're trying to drop back, but you can't run. And I thought that that was the main catalyst on why they haven't had any bigger plays. The, the last couple of weeks, we've seen them get better. Beginning of the Seahawks game, unstoppable, crazy, yeah. like 15 straight passes, 300, you know. So it's, it's, it's like a mix of the two things. It's like an efficient offense. It's not really like this big deep threat vertical offense. It's just Jamar Chase probably breaking a tackle here too. And he's a and he's an outstanding talent. Ace, do you have like a thought process yeah, on I, I like was what saying, to the like you said, the cover two thing, they kind of struggled with it a little bit last year, then they kind of figured it out after a few weeks. But I would say that they this year, I felt like as soon as somebody threw up a cover two, they wouldn't even take a shot at it at all. And Jamar Chase kind of came out and was like, no, I need some more go routes. Like we at least need to throw and take some more chances deep. And that kind of led to the I'm always open kind of situation. And I feel like they started to get back to it. And I think you'll see it. But I think if you guys come out with the too high shell, they have kind of learned to just take what the defense is giving them and they will take stuff underneath and they've kind of gotten used to that. So if you guys do give them the one-on-one, like on the out, like they taking it. But if it's not there, they might take the stuff underneath. But you know what's so crazy about that though, Ace though? I feel like most of the time the 49ers are so amazing. Crocker, you tell me, am I wrong? I feel like they're so incredible on defense because the average quarterback isn't able to push the ball down the field. That's what was so incredible. I thought about like uh cousins. Generally, the pressure's there. Check the ball down. Guess who's waiting for you? Fred Warner and Greenlaw, right? So, like, the Ravens have very athletic linebackers like that, too. To me, if Joe Burrow's going to be rushed and then take the check down, like how you're saying, it funnels it right into the 49ers' hands where their linebackers can go pursue. For sure. I, ideally, and, and if you've watched, you know, shoot, really any game outside of the last one, you know, that's what you've seen. You know, Fred Warner jumping routes. You know, he had an interception uh, against Cleveland where he jumped that underneath route and had a nice pick. 
unfortunately didn't run it all the way back to the crib. But they are the, uh, between Dre Greenlaw and Fred, Fred Warner. Like they'll make plays. If you ask 49er fans or anyone associated with 49ers, they'll tell you that 49ers have the best linebacker tandem in the NFL. Uh, they're fast, they're aggressive, they're hard hitting, and they make plays as well. They kind of set the tone for the Niners. So uh, I think shoot, a lot of tackles in this last game. But fortunately for Minnesota, Kirk Cousins was just really quick with getting the ball out of his hands. Like that was the fastest from like the snap to the ball getting out of his hands. Kirk Cousins did it faster than anyone else uh, that has played the 49ers this year. So that might be like one of the recipes to kind of maybe, you know, slow down a Nick Bosa or, you know, slow down a, a Javon Hargraves or, you know, prevent Eric uh, Armstead or even, you know, Randy Gregory from getting to your quarterback and kind of pressuring them and speeding up his clock. Uh, if you can really get the ball out quick and take the underneath passes, but you got to hope that those 49 linebackers aren't just sitting there. Yeah. For the fans at home that may be familiar with, obviously, the big stars for the 49ers, who's like an under-the-radar star on offense and defense that could have an impact in this game? Oh, man. Uh, I would probably say Jawan Jennings. You know, he's he's not this explosive guy, but he's definitely had to fill in for, you know, Debo Samuel and his absence. He's more of a big slot. And my co-host on Locked on 49ers and I, we kind of joke about uh, him being more like a tight end, you know what I'm saying? He ran like a four seven, but he's a really good run after catch guy. He's a physical blocker. You know, he will catch the ball. He'll give you a little something on routes, but he's really kind of a big, slow. Let me get to this spot, and Kyle Shanahan finds ways to kind of utilize him right now. Like now, if you're talking about Debo Samuel being out there, Jennings might have two catches in the game, but with no Debo, they'll utilize him more. And you guys might come away with thinking like, "Hey, man, this is a." Uh, a nice little receiver, kind of like Auden Tate was for the Bengals, you know, a few some years back, right? Like just kind of that bigger guy, not Except fast, but can make some plays, <laughs> be a little physical, you know, like right, but right, right. not gonna run away from anybody. Right. But, I feel like I feel like that's one of the things too. I was looking at that and part of your run scheme. One of the things that we're in eleven personnel so much that we're asking wide receivers to do like reach blocks. And I thought one of the bigger problems that we had, we want to, we let our best blocking wide receiver go on Stanley Morgan. Um, we don't really have like a, a wide receiver that could block. And I feel like a lot of the struggling in the running game is, is come from that. Did you, did you have a person that you uh, wanted to highlight on defense that you think is maybe under the radar? Yeah. You know, I really think, you know, a lot of people kind of know about uh, uh, Talanoa Hufunga, you know, he was a, all pro last year. I think first team all pro as well. But the other safety is pretty good, man. Tishon Gibson, he's been around the NFL for a long time, been on several teams. I think he played for like the – definitely played for the Jaguars. Uh, there's some other NFL teams. It's either the Bears or the Browns, but he's played on quite a few teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tishon Gibson has been good for the 49 Last year he had like four interceptions. Uh, this year he's already picked off one, if not two passes. Uh, he's a guy that's going to be around the ball. Again, they, they have these safeties that aren't, like, super versatile in the sense of being able to, you know, do a lot of man coverage. Say, like, a Daxton Hill, right? Like, Dax Hill, you can put him in man coverage. You can, he can guard slots. He can be too high safety, single high. Like, Dax Hill can kind of do it all. 49ers don't have that type of safety. But with the safeties, if they're able to kind of sit back and play too high and they're really good at reading routes and jumping uh, underneath concepts. So, uh, Gibson might be someone who, again, he's been in the league for oh, 10, 11, 12 years, however long he's been. But I think he might be a little underrated in the 49ers defense because everybody thinks of Nick Bosa or Fred Warner and Greenlaw yeah. and, and then Hufunga and everybody forgets about the, the veteran, Tayshawn Gibson. 
Yeah, I think you you brought up Dax Hill too. I just thought like um it was funny. Our coaches, our 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 defensive coordinator Lou Anarum, I think is probably the best defensive coordinator in football. I feel like part of what we're doing currently right now is all predicated on scheme. Uh Eli Apple got a bad rap, but he actually played really good when he was here with the Bengals, whatever. But the corners that are there now, a matchup to really look for. I, if Debo was there, it would have been pay-per-view. But Cam Taylor Britt versus Ayuk, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a matchup to watch because Cam Taylor Britt is literally like the guy that we've been putting on any number ones. He had a real good matchup with DK that I thought he won. He did really good. Um, he in the playoffs against Stefan Diggs, like that's the matchup to watch out for on the, on the other side. And and then I was, I was thinking about Dax Hill because the coaches said that they feel more comfortable with him lined up on tight ends and stuff. So Dax Hill probably on Kittle, but there's some guys too. And I think you're the linebackers. You're right. I think you have the best linebacker tandem. I think in football, our linebackers too, you're going to see, they're going to kiss Christian McCaffrey is really going to test them. But Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt are like graded wise, PFF coverage wise, and all that, like at the top of the league, and just nice. the plays that they made in, in in big games. We really, 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 really like those guys a lot too. And this is a real good test because I want to see like sideline to sideline. Are they going to be able to get out there in the flats with Christian McCaffrey? Is is Pratt going to be able to carry him on a wheel route? Is he going to be able to, you know, so there's a lot of different things that we're very interested in seeing too. But we got some studs too. And, and I think you guys have got a real good team. So it's this is the game of the week. And I'm really excited, guys. And I'm very yeah. glad you came on, uh, Eric. Can you tell everybody where they could find your stuff, where you could um, – your, your social media, the pod, and everything. Yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker. Uh, also, again, I, I mentioned it a couple times, but uh, one of the hosts, Locked On 49ers, number one 49ers podcast in the world, so it feels pretty cool to say that. Uh, we're consistently up there, right up there at the top, uh, uh, more weeks than not. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on YouTube, Eric Crocker. I am about to start putting out more draft content. Like, when you throw out names, like, uh, like that's how I know about Dax Hill. You know, I watched a lot of him at yeah, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, you know, evaluating his film, what he did well. DJ uh, Turner. You know, even physicality for a smaller guy. You talked about Cam Taylor, Brent. Brent I, I watched him at Nebraska. Nebraska. Uh, yep, Nebraska, yeah. Um, when he was out there on, on the outside playing corner. So um, I'm about to start putting out more more draft content, get back to kind of what I was doing more so a cu- couple years ago. For sure, bro. Well, we appreciate it, man. Best of luck on Sunday. Hope you guys have a clean build and, and get out the game with no injuries. But appreciate you, Croc, for coming on again, bro. All right, thanks for having me on, guys. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, bro. That yes, was sir. awesome, bro. We need to do we need to do more crossovers, honestly. I for really sure. feel like that. For sure. Yeah, that was that was pretty dope. I mean, uh, got a lot of insight. I feel like the biggest insight was Brock Purdy might be playing, y'all. Like a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, you ain't about, seen it on Twitter today? A lot of people talking about Sam Darnold and all of that. Looks like he might oh, be oh. playing. Let me fill you in. So Adam Schefter came out with a report earlier today. This is earlier today. Uh, he came back yesterday after he came out with his initial report. Then he came mm-hmm. back and said that, on the contrary, 25% of the players have had a six-day turnaround, and it wouldn't be that far-fetched like he originally thought for Brock Purdy to play. Brock Purdy went full yesterday, and he went limited classified today. He's done all the throws, and he was a part of the walkthrough. There's most people that now are starting to circle. The only thing that's making me feel like he might not is because of the line with Vegas went from uh, five and a half to three, and I haven't mm-hmm. seen it move yet. If anybody's listening to this right now, 
and it changed or whatever, you let me know. But I thought that that was directly affected off the Purdy one. If Purdy was playing, I think the line moves back. So that's the one thing that I have been paying attention to. But that was a lot of that going on. On our end, Chase Brown shows up on the injury report today for us too. And now he's questionable for playing from the running back position. Outside of that, we got a pretty clean bill of health on our end. The only person that didn't practice was the King Davis Gaither. That sucks with with Chase Brown because a lot of people kind of felt like Callahan today was hinting at they're needing to be a guy emerge from that that backup running back room, you know, to contribute. So it just sucks that Chase Brown, you know, I personally thought Chase Brown would be that guy. Now it's no secret we're in the Chris Evans hive. We're you know we respect Travion, but I actually thought it would be you know Chase Brown could be that guy, but. Unfortunately, it's looking like I, I prefer Evans, bro. I, I'm gonna keep it. Oh, I always bro. prefer Evans for sure. I prefer I Evans be- all day, bro. I feel like the twitchiness because of the mixing style, and he's just getting the tough yardage on a three four. The uh uh-uh, uh jump cut guy, I feel like that would just really throw off a defense and mess up the timing, bro. I really, really, really hope that they go Chris Evans. I was talking to a guy earlier today, and he was like, man. The Bengals need to implement more two uh, running back looks, split back looks, and I just think Chris Evans coming out of the backfield. I want to test you know, those lines. Been saying that forever, right? Like forever, bro. <laughs> but seeing Jamar Chase in motion, doing it a line like that, and then seeing Chris Evans in the slot like the last week or whatever, I feel like mm-hmm. by Callahan acknowledging that some other running back should get some touches, I thought it was like okay, that's a door open for somebody to get some of these touches. Um, right. I, I still think that Mixon could go crazy. I think if they – in this game, it's not about, like, how – if they can get – big. everybody keeps on focusing on these big explosive plays. But like Eric was just saying, just getting the run just to go off and do whatever else that they want to do. Of course, you have to be efficient to get first downs. But if they mm-hmm. could set up some runs just to keep the corners honest and give them something to think about, that in itself is a killer – Killer, killer plan to get the uh, Jamar Chases and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd's open. I feel like the offense this week is really trying to get their swag back. It seems like they're kind of a little bit more vocal, a little bit more confident. I think that this could be a game, bro, like that the offense is going to have its coming out party. They've had, you know, two weeks to prepare for this 49ers team. I'm not saying that they're going to, like, you know, put up 40 or something like that, but I do think – this is going to be the game where we finally see it kind of come together with, you know, T Higgins, Jamar Chase, this offense just looking like the unit that we thought that they would be. And I think the 49ers, especially if Brock Purdy plays, you're going to see that from them as well, because that offense is predicated, just like Croc said, they hit you with those zone runs, but they're always going to take that play action Purdy's going to roll out to the left, and he's going to be looking for George Kittle or IU 20 yards down the field, and he's going to take that jump shot every time. So I think the Bengals' offense knows that, and they know that they're going to be aggressive, and they know that they have to be aggressive on their end. So I think, like, what are you thinking, bro? Like, I know we don't like to jinx the team or anything <laughs> like that, but how are you feeling like the offense is – is this an offense game for you? Is this a defense game? Like – how are you seeing this game play out right now? I think it's a little bit of both. And, you know, a lot of 2022 had some moments like that. The Patriots game, we started off real, real crazy. And in the second half, remember, it fell off. Fell off Buc- yeah. Buccane- Buccaneers game, I think you were there. Started all yeah. week. 
come back second half, go crazy. I think it's going to frustrate us some, if I'm being honest, like because they're just trying to get into that rhythm. Once they get that rhythm and pick up off of their Seahawks-like drives that they had, that's the rhythm, that's the pocket that I'm talking about. Once they get into that, bro, I just feel like they'll be fine, and I think they'll do enough to win. I don't feel like it's going to be some explosion because I just I just think that the 49ers defense, to me, like I get it. They haven't been getting sacks and stuff like that. They're still fourth in the National Football League in pressures. Right. And so he talked about Hargrave a little bit. Like everybody's going to be talking about Nick Bosa. I'm a little I'm not I'm not saying that Nick Bosa isn't that dude. I'm really looking at that Hargrave and Volson matchup because it kind of reminds me of like when Volson was matched up with Cam Hayward. There's some moves and some swims that he could do inside that I'm really worried about in that regard. And, and that in itself disrupts what the Bengals offense wants to do. And those are the things that I think might be like kind of frustrated. At. As far as the matchup on wide receiver versus corner, we didn't really get a chance to get a, you know, talk to him about it. But I feel mm-hmm. like it's a, a, a match made in heaven where the, the offense should go crazy on them. It's just about them having enough time to get it to them. We, this is the same dude, we call him Charizard on Twitter, but Chardavis Ward is the same dude that Jamar Chase put 266 yards on when he was with the Chiefs. Y'all got to understand that this is a matchup if the Bengals can get the ball in enough time. He was talking about Kirk Cousins getting the ball off fast. He was still talking. I wanted to tell him that, you know, Joe Burrow gets the ball off faster. But to yeah. me, it's not about how fast you can get the ball off. It's about Joe Burrow accurately getting the ball down the field and they might have to chip on those ones on Bosa, like I saw the Vikings do, to give Jamar the one-on-ones down the field. And I'm not worried about – I'm not really worried about Orlando Brown's side or anything like that. I'm just more so concerned with Burrow being comfortable enough to do what he's got to do. And when he is, he can't be all-target like he was in the second half of that Seahawks game. I talked about this on Twitter. A lot of people blame Zach Taylor. Blame Joe Burrow was not accurate to the level that I'm used – or I'm accustomed to seeing – Sure. And he's got to be that, and he can't be rushed. He says he's 100% healthy. All of that's out the door. And now it's time to go and do what we said that we were going to do as regarded as a top three, top two quarterback in the National Football League. You're right. This should be their coming out party. I just don't want the offensive line or it, or mistakes or stupid stuff or fourth down decisions going forward. I mean, punting it away and you're at the 40 yard line. I don't need none of that stupid stuff. They got to go and do what they're supposed, supposed to do. And if they do that, then I don't think they'll frustrate us. But part of me just says that I don't know, man. He might clam up just a little bit because mm-hmm. it is the 49ers, and that's what I don't want them to do. They got to go balls to the wall and go and do this and understand that the defense got their back. Yeah, speaking of the defense having their back, our man G. Will from Spaces, you guys have ever heard him. If not, follow us on Twitter at the Cincinnati Pod, at Zim Hude, and at New Stripe City. G. Will kind of talked about the backside contain. That's been one of the reasons that they've kind of struggled um, against the run, especially when those runners um, hit the edge and, and just really make these explosive runs and plays happen. That is something that this defense has to do. They're going to do a lot of these zone runs. That's what they mainly like to do. They really don't like to run the gap runs at all. That is going to be a major key, man. Like, And I don't want to put my eggs all in that basket because we kind of talked about CMC is one of the best running backs in the league. But he is the key, bro. Like, I get a lot of people want to talk about IU. I get people want to talk about Kittle. But I think the key to stopping them in the engine – 
is Christian McCaffrey, man. They just going to have to do something to try to take him away. Are there any other interesting matchups that you see from this game? Like, what do the Bengals have to prove in this game? Is Air Shiesty showing up? Like, what? just what are your additional thoughts that you have on this game? I just want the Bengals to win it. I don't I, – I honestly, I swear, I see, like, some of our ops in the comments and stuff. I swear, if they win this game, I really – I told you this. I really – Feel like they can go on a run. I really feel like they could do it all over again. This to me is the best team. I get it. Debo's not there, but I think I think Purdy probably plays. I, I really do. I, they aren't hiding him practicing. He's practicing right. like pretty full, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care. This is Ludini. You know, like if they can win this game, I just I just feel like it's, it just prepares them to go in this run. Like there's no other teams that are left to me. That have mm-hmm. the talent level of that now are there teams like the Ravens have really good scheme or Browns have a really good secondary and all these different on Miles Garrett? Sure, but overall, this is to me the best team that is on the whole entire schedule. If they did this one and like you said, it was the coming out party of this team, mm-hmm. you know, like if they think about this next week, you get Charlie Jones back. That's another important piece yeah. that I really think that people mm-hmm. are sleeping on. I wish he was there for this game. But Charlie Jones in in this office, from a special team standpoint, is going to do wonders for this team. And then also some of the end around and gadget stuff. I think that they'll give them some of that stuff. And I think that it's going to be really, really important for the Bengals moving forward. And they can go on a run, man. They just really need it. I think this game is going to be tough. I, I don't think care. If Sam Donald plays, I don't care. I, I still think it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I think you're right, bro. I think that a lot of people are forgetting the Bengals have already started the run, right? They've won two straight games. They were just one and three. This is a team that Tyler Boyd literally was saying before that, those two games ago, okay, when we start to go on this streak, everybody's going to be back on us later on. Hey, dog, check your, check your calendar. It's October. Yeah. Last time I checked games and divisions and all of that are one in December and November. And this team's yeah. resume – during those months, it's pretty damn good. So if you think that the AFC North or you think that the AFC, you know, the, the seeds are set, I don't know what the hell you've been watching the last couple of seasons. <laughs> this is way too early team. for that. And everybody else who – that's one of the things that I've noticed, just being in spaces and quote-unquote neutral spaces, which means not Bengal spaces. Right, There's right. a lot of people that are saying, like, the Bengals always get off to a slow start, but this is when they go on those runs – and we know what to expect. So we're going to see what happens. But I think you're right, bro. The run is now. The run has already started. A lot of people aren't really putting that together. Bengals 12-2 and two after the bye the last two seasons. 12-2 and two after the bye the last two seasons. And it's very similar. You kind of talked about they don't like us to talk about last last year and everything. But it just seems like they got boo. Because a lot of y'all were saying the same thing. Well, that, that back end of the schedule, that's a murderer's row. And what did they do to it? They ran through it. We they ran the through it. We were the murderers last year. Bengals were the murderers this year. Bengals, this Bengals have won three out of the last four. And think about this: if you were to knock out the 49ers after that, you you got a hobble Bills team with no Milano, no Daquan Jones, no Tre'Davious White. That's not really playing a hundred percent. I know on paper that's a tough matchup, but we like the matchup from a coverage standpoint. That's then after that. Team. Then after that, are you taking Burrow or are you taking Stroud? I'm gonna take Burrow. I think well, anybody that's a, solid, that's a solid collection of teams if they get the win against 
I mean, look, they're not going to say that after we if we beat them. But th- yeah. then then check this out. Then then you got the Ravens before the season. Everybody would have said you split. You lost yeah. to them by three points. Would have hurt Joe Burrow. I like my chances. I think yeah. the Bengals at home against the Steelers. We own one. I know that they're going to be coming with their best, but I just think offensively they can't hang with us. I think the Jaguars secondary gives up the most passing yards. I think out of all the secondaries in all of the NFL, even though they have a really good overall offense. Um, I mean, I mean, defense or whatever. Then you got the Colts without without Anthony Richardson. Then you got a Vikings team that's in sale mode. Then you got the Steelers again, who I think we could sweep. And I, I like my chances against the Chiefs anytime we play them. I really do. And then you close it out with the Browns. I really feel like the 49ers are the one team out of all the teams that we named that offensively and defensively, they got all the tools to go on like a Super Bowl. Whereas most of the teams that I just named, they're good teams. But I just don't think that they're on that level. Yeah, no, I, I could I be wrong. It's a, a streak right now is definitely plausible, especially with us being number one healthy. So I'm gonna knock on some wood right now for that. But Bengals are still healthy right now. They're getting healthier, um, and they're starting to stockpile wins, man. And that's not what you want to see if you're the ops. So um, shout out to Eric for coming on. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we throw it to our sponsors at Midwest Best Barbecue? I wanted to shout out um, um, my boy Akoma. He had uh, uh, gave a super chat, and I think he was thinking like Eric Crocker. I think he thought he was like a Bengals fan. He was like, "Where's this orange at?" or something like that. I, or maybe he was yeah, just trolling. But uh, yeah, shout, shout out to uh, Mikey's burner. Uh, he said, "Eric, where your orange at, man? Who they?" So I don't know if he was trolling or what, but appreciate the super chat, bro. But I yes, saw sir. that. But uh, uh, good looking, bro. Good looking. That's all yeah. I got. Yes, sir. So we're gonna go ahead and toss it to our friends at Midwest Best Barbecue. <laughs> Shout out to Midwest Best Barbecue 669 Justice Court in Loveland, Ohio. Need some place to hang out and watch the game and eat some great food? Stop by Midwest Best Barbecue 669 Justice Court in Loveland, Ohio. They got you handled whether it's that you want a brisket sandwich, a brisket salad, some chicken wings. They got you. Um, definitely get some of those G-Funks. They're well known for those, the Uno wings. If you're into the Louisiana dry rub, they've got those. They've got mac and cheese. they got all the sizes that you can think of and dream of. Definitely be sure to stop in and let them know Ace and Zim sent you. Now, before we get out of here, I saw an interesting topic for us to discuss in the chat. And before I get into that, I'm going to answer this super chat from Diddy. Diddy says, what is the next home game y'all are attending he needs our autograph which which one is the next one we're gonna autograph. 
I'm a, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I think I'm gonna try to get to that Bills game. Um, not you know what is that like ten days from now? I, I yeah. think that that's gonna go crazy. Just got to work out some stuff with my schedule and the fan, but that's the next game. And after that, I'm not gonna lie to you, man. It might be to the playoffs, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, nah, I'm, like I'm gonna be at um. The next home game might be the playoffs for me, too. Still trying to work out the logistics. I wanted to go to the Bills game, but it, it is right around the corner. It is the holiday season, so I'm going to try to work things out with the wife. So if I can get there, Diddy definitely can link. Regardless, whenever we in the city, we can always link. And, yeah, you don't need an autograph, bro. You already know we locked in forever, man. I'm about to say, um, I'm definitely not giving you no autograph. <laughs> we about to go kick it and have a drink. <laughs> Um, but the topic that I saw, um, came from Mike and Mike asked, uh, what our thoughts were on the trade deadline. I know that this has been kind of a buzzy topic. A lot of people have, um, tweets from former Bengals and, you know, their, their former Bengals parents, um, saying that they pretty much want to come back to the Bengals. Bengals have had an issue at the tight end position, haven't been getting much return from that. Um, they've also had some issues. There was a rumored trade about a three-tech uh, from a, a highly prominent person in the Bengals community. Are these positions that you can see the Bengals realistically making a push to make a deal for? Could they go for a tight end? Could they go for a three-tech? Is there some other position I'm not thinking about that they could go after as well? I think, I think that they could go – for a tight end, the running back one, I, I just everybody in the it, this is a league wide thing. People just aren't valuing running backs right now. Like, what did Dalvin Cook go for? Like, you know, like you, you, you know what I mean? Like, if you know what I'm saying, if a guy like on of that stature who is like you know C list now at this point in his career is going for like late round picks. Nobody's you giving did, you up. You just had to bring up Dalvin Cook, huh? That sounds like a, a reason that you brought him. <laughs> it just had to be Dalvin. <laughs> because I'm trying to illustrate, like, how a guy that's really – I'm sorry, bro. I know that's your boy. But <laughs> I'm trying to illustrate, like, even a guy that's still got juice, that's still good, isn't right. going for, like – you know what I'm saying? So what would make them give up anything <clears> – <throat> excuse me, you wouldn't even give up, like, a seven. For like, you know what I mean? You know for anything crazy though, the last rumor I seen him linked to, you know, they was talking about to the Browns. Mm. I was like, Ugh. I mean, it, I seen I seen Browns today. Uh, Derrick Henry been three teams. It's been the Bills, the Ravens, and really the Ravens. D him to the Browns. And the Browns is oh. the third team. <laughs> I don't, but but to me, I don't know if that like I know that that that's cool. If PJ Walker's the quarterback, though, like I think everybody knows a run's coming. And, even <laughs> right. if, and then even if Deshaun Watson is back, he's not throwing accurately. So like to me, D hint to the Ravens, though. Who, yeah. Lord have mercy, the threat of like, please don't let them do that. But I heard uh, from our guy Eric that that's a big possibility, and it was before a lot of these. You know, ML footballs of the world were tweeting it out. He kind of shared something with us that was like, yeah, they they definitely trying to get the end. You got to think, too, because think about it. They ain't got no Dobbins on the bus. They ain't paying nobody you know, at the running back position. And at this point in Derrick Henry's career, like, you could get him at a, at a, at a pretty decent price. 
Um, I got to check something real quick. But but can I say the tight end thing real quick? The Bengals have get him, bro. They gonna get him. I'm gonna tell you why. Because he just he about to hit thirty in January. You might as well call him a Raven. They love (laughs) old, bro. They like them old boys. But look, the tight end position for the Bengals. The Bengals currently have nine picks. They're going to get another one because I'm going to tell y'all right now, Jonah Williams, I don't know if y'all seen the tackle market right now. Jonah Williams is about to go get like a $100 million deal. People that think he's going to sign back to the Bengals, I think it's like, to me, I think that is a very low chance. I think they have a better chance of getting a reader extension. Jonah Williams is about to be a hot commodity, bro. Like the free agent market for t- uh, for tackles is right. horrible. Um, So with that said, you're going to get that extra third round compensatory. Now, the type of tight end that I think that they should trade for is like a Gasecki, where it'd be like a seventh round, sixth round swap. Yeah, He's on a 3.5. You're only paying half of it anyway. Somebody like that. And the only reason why I think they would do it is if they beat the 49ers in the fact that he's on a one year and everybody's been relatively healthy. Remember, they keep that money to the side in case of injuries so that they can go and get people. But they've been healthy. So it's like, why would you not? If you beat the Niners... It would show the front office that, okay, this team is for real. Right. Let's go on a run. I know it's hard to implement this stuff, you know, like after the buy or whatever. But, bro, like I just feel like they could work them in later on. A running back, I feel like you could just go get Leonard Fournette down the street and put him on a practice squad at the very least or go get – I think Penny, somebody like Michael Carter from the Jets. Like I would, I'm talking a low-level, like seven-round swaps. Yeah. Like ain't no money, like nothing big. Like, that's how I look at those. That those are the two positions that I think they would. If they wanted to really make a splash, somebody like Jeff. I brought up DJ Reader, mm-hmm. Jeff Simmons, bro, for in a Bengals jersey. I don't. I in my mind because he is getting. I, 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 somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he like 28 or something like that? So he's 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 pretty much in his prime. Almost headed out of it. I don't know. And then you're accepting the contract. I would be looking at Jeff Simmons or Donnell. He's actually 26. Okay, so that's yeah, that's that's first round type, second second round. Like I don't know. That one's super far fetched. So let me backtrack on that one. At 26, that's crazy. But that's the type of move, bro. I think if they did that, though, that money literally is the money that they probably would have gave Reader, and he could be the Reader replacement. But imagine him doing the rest of the year. I know that that's, like, super out there. Donnell Autry or Danico Autry, I'm sorry, um, is a, a three-tech guy that has the ability to go outside. That's what the Titans, too. I think you could do, like, a, a third, fourth, something like that and get him. I really do. So, But he's going to be looking for a new contract, too. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with all the details, but from a three tech position, I think that, that that's the one position that I would get active in. Everybody keeps on screaming tight end and running back. It would be mm-hmm. low level for me. It's really if they added juice to the three tech in a rotation with Cam Sample, let Miles Murphy maybe you take away snaps from him, but you're in a Super Bowl run. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's it's tough because I think like you're saying, it needs to make sense. Like the contracts have to line up. Whereas like a Mike Gusecki, I think, like you said earlier, makes perfect sense, right? Um, more sense than a Hayden Hurst unless Hayden Hurst wants to, you know, change his contract up, which I'm not saying he wouldn't. But I just think Mike Gusecki being on that discount deal, them being able to still have some flexibility and add him for a late round pick is definitely doable. I would love to have a guy like probably Jonathan Allen, like someone like that to bring in 
from the commanders that are kind of reeling. I don't think it's realistic, though, because they're I don't see them paying that contract or anything like that. So it has to be a situation where it kind of makes sense from a um, competitive standpoint and a talent standpoint, but also from a from a contract standpoint. Um, but we'll see, man. The Bengals, we did have OBJ on. He said that the Bengals are, are you know, doing some things. Maybe they surprise us. I didn't expect us to sign Orlando Brown Jr. I know a lot of people don't expect them to make a trade at the deadline. We'll see. It, I believe it happens right before Halloween. It's October 26th. So right. we'll see what happens. They, if, if, they're, if they're saying, you know, you said a prominent figure – uh, said something about Aaron Donald. If they had a call, just a call for Aaron Donald, you would call at least to ask about a Jeff Simmons or ask about a Chase Young. So if you if they at any point ever said that or ever did that, um, and that's valid, then you would a hundred percent call these teams and ask them, and, and it's just worth a conversation at the yeah, very least. Sure. They Can they get it done? I don't know. They definitely would have to be talking about something. I mean, they're. <laughs> There's some tight ends out there that they could they – Man, it's a lot of tight ends, bro. It's a lot of tight ends that I think can help them. And they're in the mold that I think Burrow wants. He wants a big target, tall guy like the um, like Hunter Henry. You know, like the, these are the names that are tossed around. Henry, Mo Allen Cox is out there. I'm just saying, like – Like you wouldn't give up nothing. Mo Ali Cox can block like I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So you got these guys that kind of could fit into their scheme, what they're doing. And I think right now the reason why that's coming up is because the Bengals aren't utilizing the tight end or the running back position in the receiving game at all this year. And to me, that's a big problem why the offense is stagnant. And I, I just think Burrow doesn't feel comfortable throwing to the current weapons. For sure, for sure. Well, that is going to bring uh, the Cincinnati podcast to a wrap. Uh, make sure that you hit that subscribe button and hit that um, alert for notifications because we may be um, doing a post-game show. We still have to get the logistics figured out, but we do know that you guys want that. So hit that bell because if we do decide to do it, you'll be notified first. Uh, definitely be sure to share this podcast with any of your friends, fellow Bengals fans. We truly appreciate that. We try to grow this um, as much as you guys allow us to, and you guys are a big part of that. So we need you guys to contribute and help spread the word, spread the gospel about Ace and Zim and the Cincinnati podcast. We appreciate that. Definitely be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. Um, and before we get out of here, Zim, was there anything that you wanted to tell the people? I'm good to go, man. Let's go get this win. Let's We on the bay. Let's get it. Let's get it. It's an exciting time to be a Bengal fan. I'm AC Zell. We got a special show as always. The voice of the Bengal. Hello world. Four. Willie Anderson. Corey Dillon. The name of this thing is called Winston Eddie, and I'm not going to stop Talk to us about that roller coaster season. I'm still going to give you the same AJ. I'm going to work as hard as I can to be the best. I've been working here since I met y'all, boy. Yeah. I gotta get you a top five receiver. <laughs> 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 Watch out for us.